Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A-U-N. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life. At the moment, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square, whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dean Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condon Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thanks, everyone. Before we get the call underway, just want to inform everyone about uh, the status, the medical status of Ed Crosby. Jim Palmisano called me uh, right before the show began about 30 minutes ago. He had tried to reach me earlier today. Ed is in a very serious medical condition. His body has started to break down, uh, and all of his meds and, or, or you know, his, his Basically, his liver is, is, has stopped functioning, or just other core things in his body have stopped functioning, and it doesn't look good. And the doctors are telling him that uh, he may not last for the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours. So everyone, say a prayer for Ed Crosby down there in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, uh, he does have somebody who will execute uh, an insurance policy to provide burial funds and everything else, but we need to pray. He gave us a long run on this show. We did a lot with Ed uh, to, to expose the fraud of the veterans of the VA. 
that still goes on to this day, and our, our video is still on online on our website. Ed um, is a true patriot. He did a lot of great work on behalf of veterans, and that work will not uh, go uh, unnoticed. Uh, thanks to Ed, he raised public awareness about the fraud of the VA, and that will just keep reverberating uh, to the benefit of veterans uh, all over the world. So with that said, uh, say a prayer, and we're really pleased to have um, a sort of bookend to last week's call with Pat Riot and next week's call with Dr. Antonio Marmol. Uh, we have Kilo with Dr. Antonio, and we've got this uh, huge amount of history that Pat Riot uh, keeps bringing us on the call uh, last Thursday. This is a specific example of uh, a country in Europe named Poland uh, that is now feeling the pressure of the, the political, the global political establishment for reparations uh, <clears throat> regarding the Jewish Holocaust and, and, and the whole uh, situation in World War II that, that happened to the Jews and the whole story behind that uh, that has been rewritten or clarified or amplified or distorted, whichever one you want to uh, uh, talk about. But um, I met Eva, our guest tonight, Eva Brzezik, um, uh, driving around Chicago here like I do, and uh, we just struck up a conversation, and it was uh, very interesting and compelling for me to ask the question because uh, I thought it would be worthy of a shared uh, dialogue, uh, which is what this show is all about. We bring people on this call to share a dialogue, share some truth, share some goodwill uh, for the benefit of, of the global community of, of the collective consciousness of truth. So um, with that, I hope, Eva, you're not too nervous but uh, we have many new guests who never come on the show over the years, and they do just fine. <clears throat> and uh, they usually come back uh, a few a few other times. And uh, it sounds like you're on a uh, path here uh, to really share some good information that needs to be shared about what the true history of Poland is, not just uh, during World War II, but what's been happening since World War II. And there seems to be some pressure applied from the state of Israel, from the global community of, of, of uh, global military interests that are seeking to use the battering ram of reparations uh, and targeting Poland uh, in the same manner that they targeted Germany, uh, which is, in, in many cases, uh, it, it's not completed in Germany because that, that is still overhanging Germany. But Poland is now caught between Russia on the one side, Germany on the other, and as you told me in the conversation we had yesterday, and, and the American uh, who are being led by and directed by the state of Israel, we basically are being directed and led by the state of Israel in this, in this uh, bill that, uh, unbeknownst to me, and on May 9th of last year, everyone, President, the Congress passed this bill, President Trump signed it, that basically put a legal cover to the formal uh, initiation of this reparations project that's going to target the country and the state and the people of Poland. And uh, it's really opened up a can of worms, opened up a lot of historical inaccuracies about what really happened during World War II and post-World War II vis-a-vis the Jewish people versus Poland and their claims of anti-Semitism that are in the air, as we all know and have heard so many times in so many cases and situations over the years. So, Eva, with that sort of as a prelude, uh, I'll let you uh, take the first steps. Uh, 
you coming from Poland and growing up in Poland, uh, then came to America. I met you here in Chicago. Uh, when did this uh, network of, of concerned Polish nationals and citizens start coming together in a, in a, in a coherent, because it sounds like there is a, a really strong community of Polish people worldwide that are, are really upset about what's happening. Yes, hi, Fred. Hi. Yes, um, that's pretty much, thank you for the introduction. That's pretty much the summary, the gist of uh, what's happening right now. Uh, yes, we have a pretty strong community, I would say, in New York. Uh, Chicago has a little bit more of a diluted uh, community as it goes into Indiana and other places. Uh, however, this subject truly galvanized um, Polish community to actually really, truly stand up and do something about it. Um, the one thing that's very concerning to me is that uh, the Polish government has been pretty much numb, kind of keeps quiet, and I'm not quite sure whether they're doing this for the political, diplomatic reasons, whether there's another reason behind that. Uh, but overall, uh, yes, this came to fruition as of last year. Um, interesting date, May 9th, which is symbolic date for Russia, uh, for Russia winning a war. Uh, I'm not sure if people know that, but it's a very big um, festivity in Russia, May 9th, and that's the date that that particular paragraph took an effect um, in this country. So uh, saying that um, starting this month, I've heard that we're going to go and protest that paragraph. Um, and to kind of like, I think we just, this is kind of going to go backwards perhaps from the latest news to the to this story, um, not to the story, but however, you know, how this is all started. But Sure. Um, overall, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Take us back uh, to the beginning. Yeah. Right. So, like, so uh, overall, we're going to protest uh, this coming month. I think it will be March 31st. Um, okay. Uh, Polonia in New Jersey or New York um, has about 10 million people. 10 million of a Polish, um, 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 I guess, Polish uh, heritage. And yeah, we're gonna be standing up against that paragraph who we believe is um, highly controversial, I would say even racist uh, and just unjust because it truly uh, isolates only um, the victims of the of Jewish descent versus Polish descent. And we know that Polish dis um, victims were there as well. So, and that's something that I would like to talk a little bit more about, um, about the victims of Poles or, or Polish as victims because I don't think this is being um, uh, well heard in this country. And in fact, something opposite took place. In, in World War II, there was a Polish Holocaust as well. That's what you're referring to, right? There, uh, there, there was millions of Poles who were, who were liquidated. And not only liquidated, were annihilated, they were also sent into gulags, into Siberia. Um, basically, there's this uh, pact called um, Act, well, it's like a general, general plan OFT, and that originated by Germany, uh, that had plans to basically cleanse all the ethnic uh, majority of uh, Central and Eastern Europe. And just because Jewish people were part of that, um, a lot of them resided in the Eastern side, it, unfortunately, especially Polish people, along with the Polish Jews, we took a biggest uh, hit uh, from that side. But we also have to mention the very dark cards of uh, Jewish people as well, who also collaborated with the Russian regime or German regime prior to World War II. 
and to understand that, because like I think to understand the faith of Jews, we have to understand in a bigger context of the world too, which is not so black and white. Um, there's a lot of understanding also why they did what they did. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, I, I don't even know when to begin with, you know, I, I probably would need a little bit of your lead. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're all kind of in the same boat, Eva, when it comes to trying to understand this divide that keeps coming, the specter of, of, uh, of, of a, uh, a war of the races, so to speak. And, and, and in the middle of this divide, is, is the third rail, which is the, the third rail of anti-Semitism. And, and uh, okay. a lot of us have, have uh, you know, we are very cautious and very aware of that third rail, uh, but there are, there are great people who are of the Jewish faith, and we, we, we have many people that we can, we can cite, and, and I have my own story. And, and yet there is a political side to this that, that goes far afield and astray from faith, from, from the... The, the five books of the Old Testament, and, and uh, there, there are many great, you know, uh, conservative Jews who have want nothing to do with the political side of the Zionist movement, and uh, right. it, it's hard to separate the two and understand them uh, at, at the same time. But we we tried to delicately deal with this issue on our call uh, through various guests that have come on o- over many years. Uh, we had a gentleman; his name is Dr. Julian Heichelin. Uh, a staunch Zionist Jew come on our call a couple of times, and uh, you know he 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 stood up and he explained himself, and he's he's a very good patriot here in America, but uh, you know, uh, and I hope we educated him a little bit. But uh, so for the sake of just uh, people understanding, on May 9th, if you could go into the paragraph to help educate us real quick. Uh, uh, that Trump signed that our Congress passed a year ago, May 9th. Uh, let's go into some of the details of that uh, before we can move on. Okay. So, um, well, maybe I should say I start with 2009 uh, in Prague. Okay. There was this meeting in Terezin where the subject was actually raised. And uh, now we're kind of saying who really raised that subject of, um, and this is what's just to give the, the restitutions back to the victims of the Holocaust. Now, the We're talking about reparations, reparations, rep- right? Correct. And that took place yep. in 2009. So the first time okay. the subject was raised. And now when we kind of look back, because Poland, of course, to understand really what happened in Poland, we've been fighting for freedom for a long time. I, so quite honestly, I'm not even sure to this day if we have true freedom to which, yeah. or if it's just an illusion of freedom, let's just put it this way. Uh, yeah. But the, the, the person um, who actually was pro that vote was our president, uh, uh, Mr. President Kwasniewski, who apparently changed his last name three times. He's actually of a Jewish descent, um, who actually went to a Soviet school in the past. So sometimes when you're kind of reading books, you kind of understand, need to understand the sources. And, and yes, um, not to say he's a bad man. However, uh, he did uh, started, he did raise the question of reparations. Um, that, was his, uh, that was his party. And uh, now that he took into effect in 2000 and uh, when was that? In 2017, the bill was uh, introduced to Senate and eventually Congress approved it in 2018, um, May 9th, Donald Trump uh, signed off on it. So um, when we look into it, like at first we were in disbelief. Uh, uh, Polonia actually very much objected to it. However, we didn't really hear anything coming from 
our government to object completely. And we were kind of wondering why it's so. And there are two different reasons. So some people speculate. So the speculate on the streets are two, two things. Uh, for starters, we never really got compensated for restitutions coming from Germany. And forget about Russia, because Russia will never admit to those restitutions, stating that they were the victorious, they were the liberators. So um, now Poland, however, uh, truly, I mean, Warsaw was pretty much completely destroyed. Uh, we're talking about billions of dollars in restitutions when they, if, if they were ever took an effect. Um, well, that for some, I'm sure it seems like an opportunity to, you know, get some kind of a money moving forward. Since, of course, what you're mentioning, I saw that Germany um, already paid off the restitutions, but it seems like it's still there's some still left to go. Correct. Um, but yes, there's an additional path to ask for this restitution. So now when we talked about it, um, there, were, there was a one particular um, quotation that's in, uh, in circulation, and it was done by the Mr. Israel uh, Singer, who, who was a novelist, who also said in one of those like, official meetings that Poland would be defended, I mean, hold on, this is, I kind of actually put a, like a little note on this one, that Poland would be defamed and persecuted on the national arena as long as we don't pay back all the money, you know, that belonged, that Jewish lost during the, the World War II. So it seems like the plan has been quite intentional, took an effect, and it seems like it's kind of getting some kind of, you know, legs, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so this blog in particular talks about what, what's really unjust about this law because it's very much um, talks a little bit only about the Holocaust, the victims of the Holocaust pertaining to of a Jewish descent. Uh, mm-hmm. But we also know that Polish people died in the, uh, in the Holocaust. Uh, other countries died in the Holocaust. But, um, but it's a, I think it's also of a, of a bigger scam. Um, I would say scam, maybe. Uh, when we were asking where are those prejudices coming from to, towards Poland, why we are so much you know, hated by Israelis as of right now. And I wouldn't talk about like, just particular people, but just as a, as a whole, as a Israel, as a country. Uh, just mm-hmm. recent remarks of a Minister Katz saying that we, we suckle anti-Semitism with the mother's milk. Um, he, to this day, we didn't, we didn't get any apology coming from him. Um, and I'm pretty sure that maybe he's got a very personal story to where he actually was uh, affected in a negative, in an anti-Semitic way by some individuals. But, um, but it's much bigger of a problem because we're talking about blaming Poles as a whole, as a whole nation. Uh, and once this takes an effect in a weak matter, then that particular bill will have grounds and for, for the restitutions. And those restitutions only keep growing. At first, we were quoted 40 million, 100 million, and now they're talking about, I'm sorry, billions, and now we, they're talking about 300 billions of dollars. Uh, so they're very fast. Yeah, so we're talking, this would actually bankrupt Poland about three times over. And not to mention, uh, in order for this bill to really truly take off, you truly have to villainize Poland. You have to use you have to portray Poland as the offenders, not as the victims. And to yeah. this, we strongly object because we know what's the history. And I think that a lot of people who seek truth um, see um, huge injustice in this bill. And I think that we, we can definitely uh, prevail because pr- truth will prevail. And that's all we hope for because that's our biggest asset, the truth. Now, um, 
when we discussed, there was in 2000, and um, this is something kind of important to say, um, in 2000 and, uh, the 2007, 2017, and 2018. So we have a few different cases where we're trying to, first uh, in 2007 to do the illustrations um, in our Senate, and then, and then later on, 2018, uh, we uh, came up with another um, controversial bill uh, basically stating that uh, we're anti, it's a, it's a bill that would basically persecute any comments related to defamation of Poland as a country. Now, that, um, at first, it would say that anyone who's basically spreading lies about Poland would, uh, would eventually uh, wind up with uh, kind of like a, a jail sentence, uh, which basically Israel is strongly opposed to it. And this is the first time I think we realize that, you know, who else is writing the history, right, that the, the Israel has a definitive vote on what's being said or not on the national arena. And uh, so, but to their defense, uh, we amended that law and we basically uh, narrowed it down to um, to the country because, um, as we say, personal stories are very very differ from person to person, from family to family. But uh, the history, as such, of Poland, we stood against uh, German regime as well as Russian regime. In fact, we are the first people who would stand for the Jewish people and try to help them and help escape the you know the terrible fate that they. Uh, they, you know, they suffer in, in in Poland, and we're the first one to say yes. They they suffer. There was definitely anti-Semitism going on. Uh, are we the first person to say that um, it did happen? Uh, we're not going to deny that. But also, you can't deny the fact that there were a lot of acts of kindness of just people who truly, truly helped. Eva, hang, hang on one second. Didi, uh, Eva's voice is. Are you hearing that? Her voice is breaking up. You guys hear that? Hello. Yes, hello. Hi. No, uh, it, it's Eva, fine. Maybe you could just slow down a little bit, Eva. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, not, 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 a, not a whole I'm lot. A, it might make it It's clear. really I breaking can apart. I, I'm gonna, Eva, I'm going to dial back in. Maybe it's my phone. Dee, Dee oh. can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can uh, hear I can you fine. Yes, I hear you just fine, too. Because I, I can't hear anything. I'm going to dial oh. back in. Because oh, okay. I, I got a reverb. Okay, we'll be waiting for you, Fred. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, it's really interesting. But I, I think uh, uh, maybe Fred, you know, Fred can call back in, but then if he's having trouble hearing you, it might be his speakers. So you could maybe just slow down ever so slightly. But sure. sure. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. Hi, okay. Fred. These new phones, these new iPhones, uh, are not what they're cracked up to be. Sorry about that. It's okay. So, so we're talking about the the, uh, the Russia on one side, Germany on the other, and 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 launching this law that puts this cloud of reparations over the Polish people, and, and basically making them out to be the uh, the evil, uh, the uh, casting light on on a historical evil. When in fact the Poles were uh, the victims on both sides during World War II, and they, as a result, were very close to situations where they reached out to the Jews and helped shepherd and 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 protect, in many cases, personal stories that can vouch for all of that. 
Correct. And like the one of the sources that I've given was uh, written, it's a book uh, written by Eva Korek when she discusses uh, the, the, the role of Catholic Church uh, taking role in rescuing children, um, giving them fake names, uh, Polish names, for example, uh, fake passports and shipping them to England, for example, so they could survive to have a different faith than their uh, parents, for example. Um, so there's just a lot of uh, things. But one thing I wanted to say that uh, I grew up in Poland with absolutely zero. Hello? Yep, you're fine. Yeah. So I grew up in Poland and I spent about two years alone just to truly cover that period of World War II and what happened and study different type of attitudes. So we, we discussed collaborance, we did discuss Schmalzowniki, we did discuss all of it, but overall we never ever were raised to say, you know, the Jewish people were bad. In fact, we had a tremendous amount of empathy uh, for the faith they shared. And in fact, Poland was the only country that stood up and helped in a scale that no other countries would. There were more people helping than people who would be betraying. Now, the, the help, uh, historically speaking, was so great that Germany had to cre- create a specific law stating that any help towards a Jewish person would result in that person's death the whole village would die. The neighbors would die. Everybody. And, oh, my um, God. Yes. Yeah, so I think people don't understand because one thing that I've learned from school uh, and kind of like you don't know how you would react until you're put in that situation. So it's really hard to point fingers. But there were a lot of heroic people. So that's why when I feel when I talk about this act 447, I just don't even know how to even think about my grandma, all these people who helped all these job people who helped. In fact, that yeah. um, Mr. Suyetsi, who actually returned those awards, he's also very much uh, shocked, you know, what is really taking place. And I think these days, in order for us to truly have peace, uh, we should work together on the truth. And uh, whether it's dark or not, we should really face it and truly, you know, give a hand and, you know, move to the new chapter in our lives because I think we all deserve to be living in a peaceful world. Um, when I look into, um, I'm not sure. Okay, so when I look at the history of Poland, how it all started, we have a tradition. We have a, we we actually have Jewish people uh, residing in Poland for nearly a thousand years. That's how far uh, the Jewish migration in Europe comes. And eventually, but Poland was, Poland actually was um, one of the countries called Poland for a very long time, Jewish people actually could have their own autonomous rights uh, in Poland, unlike in other European countries. So it was a great place. However, Mm -hmm. geopolitically, Poland was never ever situated in a place where we would actually have enjoy the protection or enjoy, um, I guess, freedom for too long, because we've been always attacked under either Prussia, Russia, or Hungary, correct? And, you know, and Jew, because we had so many of Jewish people, Jewish people, along with Poles, would share that faith. But Jewish people, from my understanding, never truly assimilated in Poland. They spoke their own language. They had the Hebrew. They had Jew, uh, um, uh, Jew, um, what is it, like, uh, Yiddish? Yiddish, right? Yiddish. 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 And, you know, so the assimilation really didn't take much of a place. A lot of them also resided um, in Poland, that are right now um, Eastern Europe. 
uh, in parts of Lithuania, Ukraine, uh, Belarus, for example. Um, so basically, um, Israel or Israel or Jewish people always had this ambition to have autonomic country, their own country. And for that reason, I think the anti-Semitists started transpiring, especially when Poland was under a free occupation, three times over, we actually eventually disappeared from a map. And a lot of times we were actually looking out to our uh, Jewish friends saying, are you guys gonna back us up? Are you gonna fight along with us? And strangely enough, um, uh, Jewish people never truly, they either were very passive or they would choose uh, a stronger side. So a lot of them would actually bet on Soviet empire, uh, or Russian empire. Some of them would go with the German empire. And that happened in World War One, before the World War One. It happened um, after World War One. It happened during the World War One and prior to World War Two. I'm sorry, and during the World War Two as well. So there. So when I'm gonna fast forward, so um, General Piłsudski, for example, at some point uh, when uh, Jewish people actually wanted to claim the lands, and I think they wanted to create. There were, I think, plans to create like a Judeo Polonia. Uh, that would yeah. take parts of Ukraine, Poland, and I think parts of Germany as well. At the time, um, I think General Piłsudski strongly objected to that idea. He said that he was pro-assimilation of Jews. And to my understanding from the history, only 15% of Jews actually were assimilated. Uh, those Jews actually um, happened to be pretty rich. Um, they had really nice positions. Um, and a lot of times, to my understanding also, was that um, Polish people who were poor were kind of looking in with envy on uh, those Jews who actually did have a lot of money, did, you know, play a kind of big part. And, you know, so there was some level of anti-Semitism um, coming from the grounds of jealousy. But also um, anti-Semitism also could transpire from the fact that they never truly felt, um, they were never truly loyal to Poland or free Poland. So um, those anti-Semitic movements uh, transpired even more so when uh, Poland truly, truly to the very last person were fighting uh, for the Poland to actually get back on the map. And, um, and for Jewish people, we are pretty much already done. Um, a lot of them would actually, some of them on the Russian side would welcome um, uh, Russian, um, German soldiers. The other ones would welcome Soviet soldiers. A lot of them would collaborate on the side of Germany. Um, in the World War II, for example, uh, it's an interesting case with Białystok. Uh, Białystok actually uh, was a permanent, permanently a Jewish area, and uh, little that they knew, um, the resentment of Molotov Pact happened. And a lot of those uh, Jews who were residing on the east side went under the German border. So when the Germany took over, uh, German Hitler had different plans clearly for the Jewish people, and um, he decided to kill them all. But uh, but during that time prior that, in this couple of, between 39 and 42, a lot of Jewish were collaborating with, uh, collaborating with Russia, and Russia also attacked Poland. Uh, cotton happened. So for us, we could not truly trust. A Jewish person basically because very few of them joined the army and a lot of them were actually collaborating with the Russian regime um, so basically that was pretty much the source of anti-semitism it wasn't it was somewhat grounded in that notion but it wasn't grounded just based on the race uh, but um, unfortunately what happened what Hitler did and what Hitler did, and Russia did eventually uh, it uh, truly had an echo um, in our underground it's called home army and Home Army 
strongly opposed any killing that was done on the Jewish people. In fact, um, a lot of killing was done, I would say, in the villages. Uh, the reason for it, uh, to my understanding, was a lot of um, men were not really, for starters, well-educated. Uh, two, there, uh, there was a suffering persecution from Germans uh, themselves or Russians themselves. Um, so, for example, my grandpa would have a nice, um, a big uh, village, for example, um, and, you know, Germans would come, they would destroy entire village, they would take um, all the properties and, you know, and eventually when they were done, um, you know, after the fight, they would kill the whole village. So, for example, oh yeah, so they would burn it, they would kill. In fact, my grandpa kind of sensed that, so he decided... And rape, to rape the women, rape the women, my God. Rape women, uh, but, like, the burning and killing. In fact, like, for example, they didn't want to uh, dig the grave, so they would give um, one person to, you know, the, the victim, uh, dig the grave. Um, then they would come up, they would shoot them in the back. The person dies, then it would take another person who would cover the um, that particular pit, and the pits oh, usually were yeah. shallow and things like that. So there was nothing signifying yeah. about the murders. And and the thing is, like when you start seeing all this, I mean, you, you just simply can't say no. Jewish people didn't uh, suffer. No, they did because, uh, as our uh, Prime Minister Morawiecki said, uh, any time the Jewish person uh, would stumble across a German, it was a dead Jew, and there was no way they would survive without any help of the Polish people. So Polish people truly had hearts. We have the biggest amount of just on Israel, the biggest amount of treats uh, given to us. Um, but also, what about those Jews who actually died along with Poles with the attempt of you know, their lives to be saved? Um, but because of the huge uh, movement to help the Jews, um, Germany basically made it clear, any person, any person who helps, even if your neighbor knows that, you know, even if you know any knowing of a Jew in the village, uh, yeah, that would result in, in your death. So a lot of them would actually act um, in, in, a, in, a, in a state of fear. Um, a lot of yeah. them, uh, for example, were promised that your life will be saved and I'll give you all the riches. So for example, a good example of it is, for example, Edenrod. Edenrod, it was a Jewish, uh, um, um, it was a Jewish uh, police. And... And the issue right now with that, part, so I'm going to kind of come bring a little bit to that particular bill right now that we're discussing, uh, because uh, Israel doesn't want to say Jewish people did not, didn't do anything wrong. We are all innocent. But Jews among Jews know there were some who also collaborated with the regime. And, you know, whether they've done it also out of fear uh, or whether they've done it because they wanted to uh, promote their careers down the road, there are many different reasons. But um, according to the history, about 2,500 uh, Eden were there. I think I kind of wrote out somewhere um, in the notes. Okay, well, what is the term Evenrod? Uh, Evenrod, it's like a Gestapo police. Uh, oh, Gestapo police of, of? Of Jewish, of Jewish uh, descent. It's like a Jewish Gestapo. So, Jewish, Jewish Gestapo, okay, got it. Jewish Gestapo. So, for example, like in the ghetto, um, they were forming. So, like, to understand also, um, Jewish people were actually stuck together. Uh, they were farmed, they were uh, party. So, even though they were free, they would, could go whatever they wanted, they kind of stuck together. So, um, that's kind of the word ghetto comes from. So, um, so at first, uh, during the World War II, those ghettos were open. Uh, in 1942, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the leaders 
um, and I think there's a document about it when he praises building a wall, spending, I think it was like about $250,000 and stating what a success that was. Um, they also didn't want to, um, when they reached out to the Polish home army, uh, they did not want to declare uh, to be on the side of Polish army. However, they wanted help. So knowing that ammunition was very scarce, it was scarce for Poland because uh, England and France, even though they were supposed to help us, uh, they did not unfortunately, or not until very later. Um, it's too late. So we, yep. Yeah, it was, it was too late. So for us to give a weapon to a Polish soldier or to a Jewish soldier, of course, we would choose a Jewish, Polish soldier because we know that they would fight for the freedom of Poland, which was not really too clear on the Jewish side. They think they were always betting a little bit of a stronger emperor, kind of like right now in the United States. I think they're betting on the United States to, for that protectionism as much as they did in the past you know, but in yeah. Russia, and I was, right. So, um, so at that, but there were also Jewish people who also would say, you know, they they lost Poland. There were assimilated Jews who who died. But I would say 85 percent. Uh, so there were about 10 percent of Jewish people in Poland total. Ten mm-hmm. out of 10 percent, 85 percent were Hasidic Jews, and those Hasidic Jews were actually on the side of Russia, and they were more pro-Russia, pro-Soviet. So. When Germany took over, of course, the first people that they've killed were Hasidic Jews. Um, okay. And then the assimilated Jews, actually, with money, they found a way out in some ways. I'm sure a lot of money, a lot of them also also shared the same faith, not knowing that uh, Hitler would not keep his, their word, for example. And, you know, um, there's another gentleman who um, was also in the ghetto, uh, Jewish ghetto of Warsaw, um, he was in charge of it, but when he realized where he was supposed to send the rest of the population, he decided to commit a truth that he could not live with that thought, you know, uh, with others actually were compliant. And they sent um, a lot of uh, people from Jewish ghetto to, to Auschwitz, to Treblinka, Maidan, and so on and so forth. So, and, you know, what the faith of... Um, these Jewish people were. So um, in the attempt to rescue Jewish uh, home army, Polish army, and I want to say um, very clearly um, two actually people that uh, we can actually say thank you to is uh, Victor Pilecki and Jan Karski or John Karski. Uh, those two individuals um, um, from the directive of uh, home army initiated, uh, um, I call it the um, infiltration of Auschwitz. And when they came in, uh, Pilecki uh, decided to make a very detailed description um, uh, of what was happening um, in, in that place. When you say and infiltration, when you say infiltration, did he personally uh, go inside as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, Collaborator with the Germans and then reported like yeah, a maybe, maybe, sorry. Yes, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That's a wrong word. Thank you for letting me correct it. No, he volunteered to go to Auschwitz because, as we know, in Auschwitz, uh, Polish and uh, Jewish people were taken. Uh, yeah. So he met the Polish person. He volunteered to go there despite a lot of pleading from other people. So apparently he made it out of Auschwitz about three times before Germany decided, realized that there's something going on, so they tied up uh, the security a little bit more. So the third attempt of escaping was a little more difficult, so he didn't come back after the third time. I so he was able to go inside and then, and then go outside and report on what was happening? 
Correct, correct. And he reported it to uh, England and uh, reported it to America. But at that time, for some reason, um, the report, some people were at all, they could not believe what was happening. And some people, I don't know why, truly, no one reacted fast enough. It's, it's, it's still a mystery to me. And, and it's, you know, um, it, it's just, it's just beyond, beyond us. But uh, long story short, um, yeah, so those two people. So now when uh, World War II was over, uh, those two people, um, especially uh, uh, Victor Pilecki, uh, was um, tortured, massacred uh, by the oh Soviet Union, and he was killed. And we're talking about about 5,000 of those soldiers who eventually uh, had no um, governing um you know, they were basically spread out and taken over. Now, when the Soviet Union took over, and this is kind of interesting to see how this is all translated into uh, Marxism and, you know, communism and how they truly take those people. They couldn't just simply take, in Poland, people who were patriots or those who were pro-patriots because we all wanted free Poland. So they would go into villages, out of villages, out of 100 people, they would start recruiting. The recruitment apparently was very difficult. Because, um, hello? Yeah. Uh, because out of about 100 people, maybe 30 people truly were deviants and were maybe capable of being blackmailed and, or brainwashed, so to speak. And those okay. people, when, like right now, they're saying they would never even pass the like, psychological exam. They were like psychopaths pretty much. And those were the people who were actually picked to be, um, you know, on a, like a secret uh, mission. Um, and they were uh, chosen to protect communists from the inside. So they would be hunting down anybody who would be working against communists, against socialists, against Russia, uh, or Soviet oh, Russia. Okay, okay. okay. So, so, so now this, this developed uh, the recruitment of communist infiltrators inside the country of Poland uh, be, began Correct. in early world in early World War II. Okay, in and you a, were saying yeah. earlier well, okay. in early World War II, but I would say definitely after the World War II as well. Oh, after, oh, yeah, that's right, because the Iron Curtain fell. You're right, right. So then, behind the Iron Curtain. Yep. So who gladly joined um, those um, those roles were actually a lot of again Jewish people, Jewish people who are pro-Russia. Uh, Jewish yeah. people who were anti-Poland, uh, Jewish people who were actually promised uh, big high positions. In fact, any managerial positions were, and I think there's some statistics shown, um, uh, you know, hold on, I think I have, uh, I think there were about 27%, yeah. So basically like managerial position, about 50% uh, were taken by the Jewish people. So uh, 18.5% were actually in, in charge of like a inside security, public security. Uh, yeah. Another 27% were in the department of, of ministry of some sort. So, you know, a lot of them were actually did really well. And this is something very important to say because um, also those people who actually were able to um, to join the Communist Party were rewarded. Rewarded with Harley Davidson, for example. They, but also they were fearing um, the Home Army because Home Army was kind of badass, so to speak. Um, but now that they had no sort of um, particular sense of course, uh, they were kind of left alone. And 
people, Polish people, for example, um, would have tried to also hide them. Uh, but the brutality of the Soviets was so, oh my goodness, that my grandpa would say to this day that Soviets were far worse than Germans. Um, really? And really? Wow. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people say that. Um, the Jan Karski also de- declares that, you know, the, the gulags, for example, the Siberia, like, um, were also far worse than like Auschwitz itself. So the, the, the situation, but um, it was bad, for example, because like when they would capture home army um, soldier, um, they would torture them, they would dress them in Gestapo um, suits, for example, they'd beaten them to death. A lot of them, they were given like a fake um, crimes, for example. A lot of them, for example, they would say, oh, he doesn't fall under influence of Marxism. So he's kind of like a bad apple. But they were hunted down. Those, those, those generals of uh, army who were supposed to build uh, server in Poland were number one target. And um, for example, were the only place they could hide after the World War II were either abroad or in the woods. So some of them would say, would kill the home army soldier, would take their suits, and they would come into the villages and ask, where, where can I hide? The Polish people would say, okay, you can hide over here. And they would go there and they would just basically kill everybody else um, that was hiding. So, so the, the, the oh, technique they were using oh. just very savage, very brutal, um, really the right of any conscious. And, and yes, and there were Polish people in that, unfortunately. We have to say that because these are dark cards, but it has to be said. Uh, those were people who were recruited. So now in uh, 2007, when we, Jan Olszewski, who just recently died, Try to do the lustrification, right? I'm not sure I'm pronouncing right. Um, the um, what's the name of it? Um, Reconciliation. No, lustration. No, no, so when uh, uh, when Solidarność took place, uh, we still understood that people who were residing in that power were still same people who governed Poland prior Solidarność. So uh, like Valenza, for example, um, he's a symbol of, I think we touched base a little bit briefly yeah, on that. Like, like Valenza, everyone was a communist originally, right? He said? He was not a communist, but he was working for Russia. Yeah, he was uh, working for a secret police. He was okay. uh, working and uh, pretty much bringing all the information on his brothers, right, who were trying to form the independent Poland. I think that's why there's a lot of mistrust among Poland these days, because any organization that took place, um, the technique that the communists would use, would they would send, you know, some kind of an agent there, they're pretending to be one of them. And then yeah. eventually he would describe, describe every single one of them. So there was just a lot of of that, uh, let violence actually destroy a lot of people's lives. I think people don't understand to which degree. Um, at some point, he said that, oh, it was a fake dossier, and um, that's another technique. I think that's kind of like maybe what's happening with Donald Trump right now. Um, yes or not, I'm not quite sure. I'm not going to comment on that. But um, for example, creating fake uh, acts was also one of those uh, subjects. Like, for example, in when Soviet, when Solidarność won, um, a lot of good people of goodwill. Uh, join the party. So in order for them not to go too far, uh, and because the society was already in mistrust, in mistrust uh, to the rest of the people, um, they decided to create a fake documents on them, stating that they were the old Soviet uh, communists, 
for example, when they were actually truly innocent. Uh, like Valencia, for example, was also supposedly had this fake document. However, in his case, it turned out to be true. He really was an agent bullet. And just recently, I think in 2015, uh, we were able to prove it. Um, so right now we have, um, we have his act in a, in the Institute of National Remembrance. Um, so it's, I think that's some kind of like a little caveat that I don't think a lot of people understand. And sometimes I wonder if it really matters to anybody at this point, because uh, when we talk about the tools that the social is using, is like don't look back, don't look into history, look towards the future, correct? So it, it's not really even relevant to some, I would say. But some who actually really want to study history, um, you would say that some of those techniques actually do repeat themselves. And um, yeah. me coming to Paul, to the United States, I was very happy to know it's a country that's very differently functioning. It's a freedom of opportunities. I mean, it's a freedom of, uh, of speech, a land of opportunities. Uh, to some degree, it's a very kind of, I'm going to have to perhaps I'll have a little bit slightly so different opinions on some things. But, uh, but nevertheless, it's still one of the countries that you can actually truly uh, talk about those things and uh, not to be mm -hmm. persecuted so yeah. um but yes so i'm not quite sure if i'm being clear and no uh, no 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 e e uh, even now let, let's let's just for the sake of um, uh kind of uh, bringing bringing it back we you and i talked about the pope john paul ii his mm -hmm. influence uh in poland when he became pope uh it sort of accelerated a process of of exposing uh, what was behind the iron curtain, so to speak, and I think it gave the Polish people a backbone or, or a sense of. Uh, I, I really felt it was a good thing for the Polish people to uh, refer to the Pope, and and so there there was definitely, you know, whether that was uh, the main core, but I think it definitely helped bring down the iron curtain. Uh, but but right now with the curtain down. Uh, on this call, and we talk about this, and uh, you know, when Trump spoke about socialism will not ever happen in this country, and so on, we feel that there has been a multi-generational uh, conspiracy to destroy this country and and roll back the freedoms and liberties and 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 the understandings of what our country was really built upon, a foundation of freedom and liberty. And our culture has been changing. Families have been breaking up. Uh, there is uh, the immorality has been spreading, lacking mm -hmm. respect of authority. All of the above is going on. And and you read the the genesis of the of the Communist Party. It goes all the way back to the writings of Marx and Engels. And and a big key component is the corruption of of, of yes. society, destruction of the family, destruction of religion. Uh, centralized control of banking and production and manufacturing and the limitation of, of, of personal freedom. So uh, I, I, I think we're being attacked in this country. We feel like it. That's, that's kind of what brought us all together on this call many years ago. And I don't think it's just like uh, U.S. country. I think that any nationalistic country or any capitalistic country for that matter. Um, not to say that Russia is not, but it's definitely they're, they're pushing a different socialistic agenda. Uh, like for example, when I look at what is happening in the United States, uh, it's kind of like I'm kind of steadily smiling to myself, but I've seen that scenario done in Poland. Poland has been a very mm -hmm. Catholic country, and you're absolutely right when you say uh, Paul gave us this backbone. Uh, Christianity gave us backbone. Poland's been raised on 
uh, Christian Latin values, which basically stand up for minorities. Uh, the soldiers, the novelty, we're always protecting the weaker ones. We always try to help mm -hmm. the weaker ones. So those are beautiful qualities that we embraced. And, um, and I think that, you know, as we were kind of discussing earlier, those, um, when there was a huge resistance movement um, after the Iron Curtain, I mean, when the Iron Curtain began in Poland from the students. So they were truly were persecuting anybody who was not so under indoctrination. Uh, they realized they had a tough time with students. They realized they had a tough time with family. Uh, and I think that pretty much nobody took communism, socialism seriously, really. So everyone was kind of rolling eyes. People were helping one another kind of on the side. For example, if you wanted to have a job, uh, people would say, sure, you have a job. Um, why won't you, because I know you have to feed. So I know you have to join the party, but you know what? Why won't you join the party and go to a church in a different parish so he doesn't really raise suspicion and it was kind of mm -hmm. a joke because we're saying like people are really fed up of the limitation of freedom uh you know in order for you to have a job you they tell you tell you you have to denounce god i mean what kind of freedom yeah. is that? this is a, a huge oppression but i think that uh, marxism failed in that respect socialism failed in that respect because there was a huge resistance from students in fact um i spoke with one of the people who actually lives in the united states and she said that when i was a student they gave us those forms to fill out and they said that sign in uh, that you belong to communistic party a lot of people were just signing they didn't even know what they were signing but they were signing and she decided like why should i sign that and they said, well, if you don't sign it, you're not going to get scholarship. You're not going like, to advance in position, correct? So we're mm -hmm. talking about the corruption that already took predecessors already. If you sign it, you're not God, you're going to be advanced. You're going to be rewarded. Some people didn't believe in God because then it was like a no-brainer. Some of people were brainwashed easily, but a lot of people did not. And I would say that the attack didn't, don't even take place. I think it starts with the history. So that's why it's so important for, for us to stand and really, truly... Uh, collaborate with, I think, with Israel, with Jewish people to truly come and make sure that history is not going to get distorted because it's not really serving anybody, um, anybody good. Um, and also there were different like kind of like appeals, for example, you know, there was an attack on the history saying, you know, let's choose the future, forfeit the history, correct? Or they were limiting amount of history or they didn't put too much importance on history. So people really didn't know what was happening. Very soon, for example, in a country like Poland, very soon we're going to say, oh, we are the perpetrators versus the victims. And mm -hmm. what an average person would know, they would not know. Um, they also, for example, at the same time, were like attacking our... Um, um, hello? Yep. Yeah, so they would attack... Yeah, they were like the same time they would attack... Um, religion, Christianity in Europe, in the European Union, actually they wanted to remove history altogether. Um, they also, for example, were uh, attacking church, uh, attacking uh, um, priests. Um, and by attacking, and what we're saying is like, yes, there are bad priests, there are bad people in every society, in every particular organization, but to basically attack a church as whole that's that's a different that's a different issue. Um, they also started attacking conservative parties, um, right? So, like for example, a party like ours who's like semi-conservative in Poland that's happening right now didn't even wow. have a chance to exist. It's, I think it's a miracle that we actually emerged in some ways. But you know, anything that would pertain to nationalism had to be squashed and squashed immediately. Any type of criticism took, you know, when you say something about. Um, anti, maybe even Semitic, or something about the Jewish people, you realize that 
in, in some ways people are even afraid of using that word because they feel like they're going to have this back wave of, oh, you're anti-Semite, you're anti-Semite, you know, Jewish people never done anything wrong. And it's like, well, people did different things, but they, people had to understand people did things for different reasons. Like in some ways I would say I understand Israel because Israel played the politics in such way that they do have their own country right now. And um, they have been oppressed uh, for many generations. And so t- for them, it's um, it's a very touchy-feely subject, and we have to take it very much gently. And But I would think that uh, Jewish people would understand Poland like no other country because we share very similar faith. Um, we also fought for freedom. We also fought for our independent country. Um, but also to, to kind of go back, so not only those attacks on the conservative parties, but also were attacks on families and children. So, for example, right now, when you say you can say mother and father, you have to say parent one, parent two. It's like an yeah, object. Yeah. It dehumanizes exactly. people. It's, it's basically, you're not even a human. You don't have that remorse. You don't have that conscience. It's just a subject. And eventually it goes back to kids. And right now they're realizing because it's good parenting, you have good kids. And good kids will breed a different society. So I think this attack is very well orchestrated and engineered sort of in some ways. So I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it took place in a big scale. Um, and I, I, I do believe that it's not just prevalent in the United States, it's everywhere. Well, uh, Eva, here in Chicago, it's, I think I've heard this said many, many times, but we have the largest Polish uh, population uh, outside of Warsaw, right here in Chicago. Uh, I know it's I know it's huge back east, but this is a very strong Polish stronghold here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, my wife is half Polish; she was raised Catholic, and and uh, uh, I, I I would love to to go to Poland someday. But uh, 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 we we've had uh, over the years uh, 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 a, a lady who's uh, cleaned our house, uh, who's in a Polish family, and. And she she goes to and from Poland and tells us the story and so on. Uh, just good people, just really heart heart soul felt people, and uh, uh, very patriotic and uh, just good family people. That's been my 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 feeling, my heartfelt feeling about the Polish people. So and, and thank you. Uh, and I think that when I wanted to have so touch base on the fact that when uh, Minister Katz did something very very derogatory towards Poland, um, uh-huh. it shook entire nation to the core we absolutely were dumbfounded like where did that come from i actually came up with those i actually came across with some of those comments earlier on in the united states um but you know i just always felt like well people are just not misinformed uneducated right so just brush it off but it got to the point where it started having uh predecessors in a political arena and now mm-hmm. we're talking about distorting uh history and i think this is the time where we we can't just simply sit quiet and do nothing because Next thing, you know, you know, there's, there's a politic of shame, sort of speak, that's going to continue, and we have to kind of get back, get it back on our legs. And this is not to say that Jewish people are bad or anything like that. That's, that has nothing to do with this. This is about the truth, and really not allow being influenced or blackmailed by any outside sources. But um, I came across actually, and this is a little bit of I'm kind of jumping from subject to subject, no. but. Um, but I did uh, manage to kind of listen to a couple of historians, and I came across like a three uh, quotations that took place uh-huh. in Ghetto Warsaw. So I've translated into Poli- uh, into English, maybe kind of vaguely, sure. but hopefully as accurately as possible. But in 1942, 
um, uh, because the Polish faith was not decided. Um, so uh, Jewish people were kind of betting on either German Empire or Russian Empire eventually. German went against Russia, so that was kind of a, a big mess. But um, while they were in ghetto, uh, one of them uh, said something like this, on the ashes of uh, barbaric fascism, I will build free European society under the uh, directive of USSR, the only true and free federation of Europe, uh, the federation of free society in the frame of socialistic union, socialistic union, union. And I'm thinking, oh, free society, federation of unions. I was like, well, that's a European Union, clearly. But that was wow. something that prompted um, those Jewish people to say, this is who we're going to be betting for. Um, another one, I think, was in 1941, July, in a reference of aggression of German on Russia. Um, there was another quotation in documents. I think we need to speak a little bit more about what was happening. He said, in, in this war, none, um, none of the sides is more or less guilty. Uh, the responsibility for igniting the war or calling for war falls um, entirely on uh, what is it? Entirely on and regardless of who made it um, on imperialist powers. Anglo-American Anglo-American uh, capitalism. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of like scrubbing a little bit. No, no, good. Uh, what did it say? The the pact between Soviets and Germans is the only uh, smart. Um, and just justified uh, way of action that will be towards our advantage. So, and then the third one, it says the win of England and or United States would bring the Europe democracy of bourgeois. As long as capitalism exists, as long as the tragedy of, um, as long as uh, capitalism exists, as long as the tragedy of Jews isn't finished. USSR brings the destruction of capitalism towards USSR and only towards the USSR, um, we should turn. The mass of Jewish uh, ghetto should turn. And so these were the things that were written during, in 1942, for example. So it's kind of very clear basically where they were standing. And Poland always had this westernized thinking, for example. But when I look into European Union right now and I look at what, what is happening to Poland, I sometimes wonder if you actually even govern our own country. Because if you want to make any kind of changes or anything like that, it seems that we really cannot, you know, we have a lot of backlash from outside sources. So, yeah, remember, you're, you're you know. totally the, the, the Federation of Europe in, in that uh, uh, European Union is uh, you've definitely lost a lot of your sovereignty. A lot of the countries have. And that's, un, that's unfortunate to, to the bureaucrats in Brussels. And we're not supposed to. And I think that uh, maybe that was a pretext for everybody to join. Um, you know, I think the politics of business will still take place. Uh, right now, Germany is still benefiting more from Poland than from, you know, from the from the exchange of uh, between Poland and Germany versus the exchange of uh, friends and uh, and Germany. But we're talking about reform, and I just think those reforms are going to take place. So I think either Europe is going to be completely, you know, it, it will cease to exist, or you know, I don't think I think things are going to be very clear. Um, when I look into resemble of Molotov Pact, you know, I just see that there are a lot of resemblances to, you know, how Poland's been, you know, how, how that line has been divided. And we see more and more Germany 
actually causing up to Russia was Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2. And frankly, they are the ones who are dictating the rules. So I'm not sure how much Poland and what they, we can do other than, you know, hoping that the United States at some point will stand up for us. Um, but that particular pact uh, of 447 is very unjust. And again, it's, the, the money that would be going, coming from that a particular organization would go not just for the Holocaust victims, it would go to organizations, basically. And, you know, for what kind of organizations? Political, NGOs, what exactly? political NGOs that, that no one, uh, that are controlled by the, by the elites. Um, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be the people. Uh, yes. Eva, before, before we open up for comments and questions, uh, uh, Poland as a country on the on the east side is is how much of the Russian influence weighs on the east versus the west side? Is it is it is, is there still a heavy Russian influence on the east side of Poland? Um, I think after we well, right now we're talking about the the gas and the, the energy. Uh, we trying to completely right now we've uh, completely dissociated ourselves from Russia. We our agreement comes to the end. We're not going to be renewing it. Um, the the resources they were selling to Poland were much were at much higher rate than to the rest of the European countries. We actually sued uh, Russia uh, for the difference um, because they treated Poland a little bit differently than the rest of the country. But there's okay. there's a lot of agency in Poland. So there's some of them that would back Russia and along with the let's say Russian Jewish people. And the other ones would back Germany, for example. So it seems like it's the the, the division is still kind of there. Uh, okay. so it's kinda of hard to tell. And I think like right now we added um, American to the mix. So but no, as yeah. far as uh, I would say that as far as the feelings are concerned, because Russians are Slavs, um, they suffer a lot, a great deal also in the world too. There is some kind of a level of empathy as well coming from them. Um, Germany, even though they're supposed to be our allies, Marco is very friendly with Polish government. The politics, nevertheless, don't reflect that at all. Um, they're very, very clear that um, they're pro-Russian. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of... Um, it's kind of hard to tell really under which influence we are, really. I think it's, there's some kind of a resentful moment of a line still there. Yeah. Now, now, make one comment. You said that there was reference to the possibility of a physical uh, areas of land of Poland that could be part of a recolonization of Jews going off into the future. Is that, uh, is that a prospect, a specter, or is that just wishful thinking? That was the pact, that was some kind of a plan done, I think, you know, throughout um, among the Zionists. Uh, I think that okay. initiated under Piłsudski uh, prior to World War One, And yep. uh, Piłsudski basically strongly said, absolutely no, uh, Poland is Poland. Any citizen who wants to live in Poland needs to be a Polish citizen, right? But yep. Jewish people want to have an autonomic country. So, yes, so these were the plans. Uh, but yes, uh, those plans actually consisted of the lands of Ukraine, parts of Poland, and, and, uh, and Germany, which is like Bohemia right now, uh, or Bohemia. But I don't know. There, when I asked a couple of historians what they thought about it, they thought that that plan would never take an effect. It was not a serious plan. Um, okay. I think Israel came as a result. I think there were some plans to uh, deport, um, repatriate uh, uh, Israel or Jews to. Um, uh, Madagascar, I think it was also one of those islands. 
But I, like, for example, uh, I have some people, we remember actually a huge deportation of Jews um, that took place. And I have to say, it, it took, people were sad. People were not truly happy because I think there was this huge, great level of empathy what was happening to them. They were leaving belongings and um, they had to leave overnight and pretty much kind of giving the, the goodies, let's say, or like some crystals to the neighbors and the neighbors were packing them, shipping them, whatever they would go. Some of them, they were selling apartments because they knew they, they might never come back. So it's, it's kind of a mm-hmm. sad, sad reality because, um, you know, it, it, it's very, I think, hurting Poland to know, um, and it was like a cold shower for us to know that we're, we're the anti-Semites, we're being portrayed as such. Um, mm-hmm. Another comment that's been, I'm sorry, I'm kind of derailing from the subject, but I just want to kind of like package sure. it as much as possible. Yep. One of the summits that, uh, in a Washington summit just recently, Pompeo uh, mentioned uh, like a communistic um, assassin of the home army as a hero, as a leader, as, a, as an example who we should be praising. And we were all like looking at him, like, what is he talking about? So we sent Pompeo a little side note saying, well, this is who you want us to praise. And, um, and it kind of goes to who's writing those notes. I don't think Pompeo wrote his own note, but, you know, I think that some people say, well, we're blaming on, maybe the previous government or someone inside the, the government who actually has a different agenda for Poland, who clearly has a bias towards Poland. Um, for example, um, Mrs. Andrea Mitchell from NBC showed up in Poland, yeah. and she basically wrote that Poland is asking for correction. Well, we asked for the correction um, when she said that uh, Warsaw Ghetto Uprising was against the Polish and Nazi regime. <laughs> The war together was against Polish regime. It's like, it's like, you know how how distorted you have to be in order to say those things. But question is, was this remark done intentionally or not? And I think that unfortunately, I think it was done intentionally because we're talking about this whole mass of lava of misinformation that's been subject, Poland's been subjected all at once that took an effect. So we actually. Um, uh, we're still waiting for Ms. Uh, Mitchell to apologize. She actually backtracked a little bit, but she still put yeah. the blame on, pe- on people, just people alone, just because the, um, the, the new Act of Institute of National Remembrance um, Act when it clearly states they cannot say anything um, defamatory towards Poland as a country. And I think she kind of backtracked that a little bit, just enough for her to get out of the... Um, um, kind of like a trouble politically or um, law-wise. So, yeah, so as far as the country, is, you know, consisting in, the Poland, in Poland, I don't know necessarily if those plans are still existing. Uh, definitely they took part of Ukraine. I don't know what's happening with Ukraine right now. Uh, in 2008, uh, uh, Russia uh, went forward towards Gruzia or Georgia, uh, attacking Georgia, there were some talks that they were going to attack other Balkan states and Ukraine as well was on the list, which actually mm-hmm. took place. And Poland supposed to be also was supposed to be part of that. I think that's why we actually really strong on the NATO. That's why we want American troops, even symbolically, uh, to be mm-hmm. on our land to kind of give us a sense of uh, protection. Um, also, that kind of plays in the hands of United States. But United States also has to understand Poland, unlike other European countries, we are true allies of the United States. And in some ways, we feel like that is being a little bit taken advantage of at the moment when uh, U.S. just passed a very unjust law. So 
you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think this is the one side that's worth to fight. Now, next month, you said, or at the end of this month in New Jersey, there will be a gathering, a demonstration. Where is that going to um, take place again? Right. In, in New York, I believe. Um, I think March 31st, we are thinking of going out and protesting. So we'll see to which degree okay. and how, how big this is, how, you know, what kind of an echo. But uh, Polish people say, well, what kind of, um, uh, well, the foreign government cannot dictate the rules. To another government, they cannot make us pay yeah. back those restitutions. But yep. at the same time, well, if we don't pay, then then what's going to happen? What would is that mean that America is not going or United States is not going to stand up in the act of aggression by Russia? Correct. Yep. So it's like, so what choice do we have in the matter? And I think that we should not be afraid. I think we have enough people of goodwill, and I think we have to our vote has to be heard. Period. And I think people, Polish, uh, American people are very great. Um, I think we have a very long-lasting history. So hopefully we'll be supported by you in that. Fight. You know, very few, few people know, uh, and I, I'm not the expert, but in our Revolutionary War, Eva, uh, here in America in the 1700s, uh, one of the most famous generals of the, our Revolutionary War was a gentleman from Poland, Kazimierz Pulaski. Have you heard of him? Uh, of course I did. He comes from the same line of novelty as I do, turns out. So I just learned that. Yeah. No, there, there, there's a street named after him. There's a street named after him called Pulaski. Yeah. And uh, there's a statue of him downtown. And uh, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of references to Casimir Pulaski here in Chicago. Yeah. And Tadeusz Kościuszko, same way. Um, and we're kind of saying how that law is very unjust, kind of as an anecdote. Uh, uh, we're talking about the Harris Law, and we're talking about, um, for example, if the Polish person dies in the United States um, and has been famous and left a lot of land. Well, right now, Polish people could say, hey, we want those, this money to go to Polish organizations for whatever cause. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of an absurd. We know it, it goes in, against the, any constitutional law. Um, but nevertheless, that's what is being required from Poland. It's uncivilized, unconstitutional. Uh, so we just don't quite understand, you know, how does that work? Um, but yes, also, if we were to go by that law, we would say, well, Chicago was given to Polaski way back. So. Oh, that's right. You said yeah. that. Yeah. That's oh, right. So, so yeah. we might as well say, well, we want Chicago back. If you want Warsaw, then we want Chicago. And, yeah. and so on and so oh. forth. I think this will never have any end to it. Yeah. Well, listen, let's, uh, everyone, anyone uh, out there, just star six your phone if you've got a question or just a comment. Or yeah, um, Eva. Eva, Eva, this is Steve with AU Network, and uh, I'd just really like to thank you for your heartfelt um, story. And uh, sharing this with us, it's really, really an education. Uh, at least I've enjoyed it, and uh, especially learning about ghetto. Uh, never, never knew that. And uh, it's just, it's just really, really a shame. It, it looks like through history, as much as the Polish people were trying to help out people, they were getting the knife put in their back by everybody. It's just so sad. And uh, I think you're a great voice for for what you're doing, and, and I hope you continue with sharing uh, this very important story. I really thank you for coming on tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you. I was a little bit nervous about that, but... No, I think you, you deliver a great story, and, and uh, you should you, you, you really you really do a, do a great job in, in laying it out. So uh, I, I really, really learned a lot, and uh, I think your heartfelt message 
uh, is really important. I think you did a great job laying it out. Thank you so much. Well, sure. Thank you. Thank you for giving the platform to talk. Yes, ma'am. We're honored. And you, and like Steve said, you you didn't have to worry. You 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 did a great job. You were you were perfect. <laughs> because you feel that you feel passionate about the story, and you're well informed. So that's really all it takes. And you did a great job. I just feel there's so much more to talk. There's so much more to say. Um, I, I just feel like my thoughts were just like all over the map, just all charging all at once. So it's kind of hard to kind of go to the gist of it, but. Um, I'd like to actually see maybe down the road to maybe just, uh, I don't know, maybe getting a, some kind of a project where we could uh, truly trans translate more historical works uh, into English, from Polish to English, because there's a lot of history left in there. Absolutely. Um, so that would be great. Mm -hmm. Anyone else have a comment or question? Hey, Eva? Yes. Uh, this is Jim Palmasano, and uh, you know I'm kind of curious. Uh, within your discussion, you brought up the point that there wasn't a very large percentage of the Jewish people that would assimilate. And I think, and I think that's been the problem throughout history, is that they come into they come into a country that they refuse to assimilate. And, you know, you just got to wonder, well, is this the cause of all the problems? You know, I mean, I'm just saying, because this seems to be a recurring theme whenever, you know, I hear about the Jewish people is that, you know, they move into a new country, and the next thing you know, uh, they don't want to assimilate. They want to install their own stuff. They do, but I think that it's kind of like when I, I was thinking a lot about that as well, and what I say, would I blame them for it? Um, I think Poland find a way to coexist with Jewish people, uh, but yes, I think the problem started when they started asking for more rights, when it started asking for the lands. Um, at that time, these obviously lands were, you know, in a matter of gold, and I guess to this day. Uh, but they did have a very strong identity, and no one can actually denounce that. So like Poland, for example, why do we survive so much? Because we have a very strong identity. Uh, we disappeared for a map, from a map for almost 100 years, um, you know, for the swift of politics of Piłsudski, we were able to emerge. Um, Jewish people, I would say, you know, if they were fighting for their place, in the world, you know, they did find it at the end, I guess, in Israel, but maybe there were different plans to do it elsewhere. Um, the only thing I would say with the Jewish people, or some, because some of them felt very uh, passionate and they were grateful to Poland for giving them home and, you know, um, you know, <laughs> aging coexistence, but um, some of them actually, yeah, they never truly been true friends of Poland. And they were backing, in order for them to survive, they realized they have to back somebody who's stronger. Uh, you know, but they have a very strong identity, so like no one can actually blame them for that, um, you know, for trying to at least create something of their own. So. Well, but, but, you know, I mean, I'm with you. I want uh, Poland, um, I believe Ukraine suffered massive deaths uh, under Stalin. And, right. uh, you know, um, 
just to single out this one group, uh, we're not telling the whole story. In fact, that's, they're a minor part of the story. Oh, of course, of course. And I think that there are a lot of books in Poland that I have to, I would love to have them translate into English because they go more in depth about um, that particular period, especially what's been happening on the eastern side of Poland, what is called right now Ukraine and other in Russia and so on. Absolutely. You're right. Oh, yeah. about that. Um, right, right. And, and, and you know what? You know, we're starting to see a resurgence over here um, of, um, African-Americans that are wanting to, they're wanting reparations. Well, um, I didn't live then. Why, <laughs> why would I be charged for something that somebody did 150 years ago? I think you'd be That's a great candidate to join us in the fight because, yes, this, this law is, uh, hairless law is unconstitutional. It's absolutely unconstitutional. And um, not only is under, um, in order to make it constitutional, even in a slightest way, you have to point out who's the perpetrator and who's the victim. And for Israel to say we're the only victims in the war, it's completely unjust. It's it's that's that's far. It's true, but that's not only true. Gone too, gone too far. It's gone it, too far. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and but I well, really want to be sensitive well, to others too. It's mm-hmm. time to say no, or we're going to recognize everybody. And uh, <laughs> then everybody's going to find out that you're a minority, and how come you've been the one barking so loud? Well, that's actually a, a new democracy. I think I've read somewhere that the new democracy, I think it was written in 88 by one of the uh, communist leaders in Poland who tried to impose new democracy, saying that the minority will be dictating the rules for the majority. Just kind of like what you can see right now. Um, right. So, yeah. Well, so, right, we appreciate what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> more reading, more reading. Did everybody go to sleep? <laughs> Well, uh, did we lose everybody? Oh yeah, I had I had my no, I had my mute my mute. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say so I was talking to myself, guys. Here I am muted. Sorry about that. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Eva, for a wonderful show. Uh, this is a huge topic uh, that affects all of us. The identities uh, and, and the special qualities of every. Uh, uh, country in Europe, uh, their history, the true history needs to be uh, fleshed out, examined, held high, and shared without any fear uh, of retribution. The truth should always be uh, what we're all after and, and not, not to be shamed, blamed, or distorted. Uh, so I, I have a great sense of pride and, and, and familiarity with the Polish people that's half of my wife's heritage and uh, uh, just, uh, you know, very hardworking, uh, spiritual, uh, true, honest, just people. And I, and I want to uh, thank you for sharing this story of your concern for that truth uh, to not ever be, be uh, buried or, or misdirected or misguided. Uh, so um, thank you. we'd love to have you back. We'd love to have you back on. 
and maybe there's another voice that you can find in this network, so to speak, uh, whether it's uh, you know somebody you find out out, out west. But uh, we've interviewed people from all over the world on this call. Uh, people from Europe, from Australia. You know, it's a little bit wacky on the time frame, but uh, they do uh, do pretty well accessing us on Skype as well. It's real easy. Excellent. Yes, I can definitely point out to more people um, alike. That would be great. He, we, we, would, we would certainly uh, like that. And uh, the main thing is, is we, we archive this. So the nice thing is, it'll be shared, and other people will take the time to listen to this and, and hear your great story. So, you know, it's just really important the way you laid it out, and it, it's, it's important too that more people will be able to listen to the archive and get the benefit of, of hearing your story. So, we are so grateful for, for your time in doing that. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, Steve yeah, will send all, you the yeah. yeah, we'll send you the archives. We have more people listening to our archives than listening to our weekly show, Eva. There's <laughs> <laughs> 588 of them out there. They're floating around the internet. <laughs> but it's, yep. it, it's very, it's, it's. This is what this is what it's all about: getting individual voices a platform, and then share them, and then you feel more empowered to share and do more research. Uh, and so on and so on. And uh, just like I mentioned before the show started, uh, the name Ed Crosby, and I'll send you a link to his work. Uh, he did such great work, just a single lone individual that I stumbled upon many, many years ago. And uh, he ended up coming to Chicago. We did a whole series of video shows in a public cable access TV station here with him. It, it, it was launched on the internet by somebody else and it just blew up. Uh, so many people have seen this from the Army and Navy and veteran communities, uh, and it's helped a lot of veterans. Uh, over Beautiful. The so, uh, but in any event, and, uh, I'll run into Eva here. You're here still in, here in Chicago. We should have a cup of coffee. I'm more than happy to uh, uh, meet anybody else that you have or stumble upon as you get this story out going forward, okay? Definitely, I look forward, and I'm definitely going to be exchanging some books with you. So hopefully, okay. Evil, if you can, Evil, if you can too. Also, uh, if you can go to our, our website, AUNetwork.tv, and just mm -hmm. click on contact. And what Fred was talking about, he actually did a movie with Ed Crosby, the gentleman that's actually in, in, in poor health uh, tonight. And I will forward you uh, uh, a lot of our uh, history of our past 12 years in a video that Fred uh, did with. Uh, Ed Crosby in Chicago in studio. So uh, if you'll do that, just uh, just uh, I'll, I'll, I'll email. Share, I'll share it. Oh, you're for it, Fred. Yeah, just forward me your email, and I'll send it. Yeah, so, I got it right. And uh, oh, Steve will send it back to you. Yeah, I sure will. Be more than happy to. So I think you enjoy that. Definitely. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Hey, thanks everyone, Diva. Thanks again, Dee Dee, Steve, uh, Jim. Uh, please say a prayer for Ed Crosby going forward, guys. And just uh, a real quick, I'll mention it next week, but Bob Schultz uh, called me back. He's fine. He's rare, rip, raring to go. And uh, we have a great guest next week. Uh, Dr. Marmel will be on uh, next week. So uh, it'll be a good show. Thank you, Eve, again. Everyone have a great week. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank you. All right. Great job. We'll send great you job. links, Eva. Take care. Bye-bye. Great, great job, Fred. Thank you. Thanks, Eva. A-M-M-N. American Underground Network. Eva. 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.